Welcome to the Centerpoint Vineyard Podcast. We're a church on Sydney's northern beaches, seeing lives transformed by Jesus. We hope you enjoy this message. Uh, welcome to week two of our Two Vision Sundays. Uh, we decided to start the year, we wanted to take two weeks just to look at the role of the Capital C Church and then the role of Centerpoint Vineyard within that, and really the steps we're taking in order to pursue what we feel God's put in our heart. Uh, so if you missed last week, I'd really encourage you to listen to that. Uh, it's now up on Spotify. It will be up on Apple this week once I make some tweaks. Um, but a little summary last week, we really spoke about the metaphors of the capital C Church in Scripture. So in particular, this idea of koinonia, which is fellowship. And we talked about how koinonia involves the two key elements of belonging and participation together. And we talked about the role of the capital C Church as being a kingdom community. Uh, that's really the incarnation of Christ for the sake of others. And we talked about vineyard, we're part of the vineyard here, um, vineyard's role to play within that. And uh, Tanya mentioned that there's an, uh, an old saying in the vineyard that the vineyard is just one vegetable in the stew or one flavour in the soup, if you like. Um, but we feel like it's a really needed flavour here on the Northern Beaches. Uh, we want to be a vineyard church that sits in the radical middle. So on the one hand, a deep commitment to orthodox Christianity, statements of faith held and passed down through church history. And on the other hand, a deep pursuit of the things of the Spirit. We don't see those in contradiction to each other. But we want to sit in the middle of both of those, pursuing both equally. Um, and as, as we said, we feel like there's a need for that kind of expression of church here on Northern Beaches. And as Centerpoint, the reason we're called Centerpoint is we want to be a church that keeps Jesus at the center of all we do. And we want to be a church that takes steps towards him and helps other people take steps towards him as their center. And we actually feel like there's a grace on this church to see that happen, to see people come to know the love and the grace of our Lord Jesus and come to faith in him. So we're going to continue this morning kind of with part two. And we want to start off by actually looking at a, a passage from Joshua, the start of Joshua. And then we'll start to unpack a couple of practical thoughts about who we are as a body of Christ. So we've titled this morning, Stepping Into the Land. And if you know the context of Joshua, it starts with Israel about to enter the promised land. Uh, and I just want to read from Joshua 1, verse 2 to 3. Now then, you and all these people... Get ready to cross the river Jordan into the land I'm about to give them, to the Israelites. I will give you every place where you set your foot. I will give you every place where you set your foot. And so the context of this passage is Moses, the great leader of Israel, had actually just died. And Joshua was now tasked with leading the people of God into the promised land. But it's really interesting that what God says to Joshua in this moment is actually almost a direct quote of what he previously told Moses from Deuteronomy 11. Every place where you set your foot will be yours. Uh, there's an old saying in the vineyard, don't doubt in the dark what God told you in the light. And it's been a, a couple of tough years for many of us. And um, we just want to encourage you this morning that what God has spoken to you individually and to us as a body of Christ, um, you know, before lockdown and during lockdown, those statements, those promises still stand. Don't doubt in the dark what God showed you in the light. And he is faithful to bring that about. Um, Israel, as I said, just lost their leader, but they had a vision of the promised land, a vision of where God was taking them. They could see it. They just didn't possess it yet. 
And in order to possess it, they actually had to start to take steps. They had to move towards it. It required on their behalf a step of faith based on what God had said to cross the Jordan in flood and start to take possession of the land. Um, The very first step, I find this really interesting, the very first step that they took was actually into a river that was in flood. Um, It would have taken a heck of a lot of courage. It required a miracle of God. But in order to see the miracle of God, they had to first take that step and put their feet into the river to see the Lord part the waters. They had to partner with God in starting to see the promise fulfilled. So if you like, they did what they could do and then God showed up and did what only God could do. They had to place their foot there and trust that God would prove himself faithful to what he promised to them. God was with them, God was leading them, but it was Israel that had to move. And as we mentioned last week, we need to see a move of God here on the Northern Beaches. We need to see people come to faith. And that is really something that God does, but it's also something that we cooperate with him in doing. We said last week, without him, we can't. Without us, he won't. Without him, we can't. Without us, he won't. We each have a role to play in this. And so we mentioned last week that the last couple of years through COVID, what we've noticed is God's actually been laying a really beautiful foundation of who we are as a people of God, as a community. Uh, Israel, right before this moment, they had 40 years in the desert learning to follow the voice and the presence of the Lord. And if you like, we've kind of had as a society and as a church, a mini kind of two-year desert of trying to work out how do we follow the voice of the Lord and what he's promised in this moment. But he's used that as as a beautiful foundation of forming us together as a people. Um, And we sense that now is really the time for us to start to, to, to take steps towards seeing more of that, more of the culture, more of the promises that he's given us and start to really take hold of that and step into them. Uh, When we first decided to plant a church through lots of prayer and um, conversations with people and with Jesus over a couple of years, we felt that he gave us four key values that we were to uphold and base this church upon. And we wanted to take some time this morning to unpack some of that for you. Um, We're aware that we've mentioned this before, um, if you've been with us from the beginning, but there's plenty of new faces in the room. And we also realize that it's really great to continually remind ourselves of why we're doing what we're doing, particularly starting a fresh year, um, hopefully with no COVID restrictions, um, of why we're doing what we're doing. And uh, if you've ever worked in a terrible workplace, um, you'll notice that culture eats values for breakfast. Has anyone experienced that before? They might say one thing, but the culture is completely different. Um, Well, we want to be a church where our culture reflects our values. And so part of the more that we feel like we're called to step into um, is to start to grow that together, to really be a church that when people walk through the door, they experience the culture of the outplay of these four values that we're going to unpack with you this morning. And um, we realize that, you know, culture doesn't develop by signing people up to programs. Programs are great, but... Really, culture develops when we choose to lean in and be intentional about pursuing the kingdom together. That's the primary focus of what we're trying to do this morning. So we're going to just touch on each of those four values again, and we know that that might not necessarily be new um, for some of us. But the first value, if you'd like, that we really felt called to continue stepping into, into 2022, is, is worship. So worship and intimacy in worship is... Uh, foundational a part of what it means to follow Jesus as we know it's a foundational part of the Vineyard Church globally and we want it to remain a foundational part of who we are as a church and moving forward as well and when we use this word worship we um, we're not just referring to singing that's definitely a valued part of worship 
um, but we also know that worship is a lot more than that uh, as well. And so when we worship on a Sunday and when we gather here, we see that as an expression of our heart's desire to worship Jesus throughout the week, in the everyday, in lots of different ways, uh, as we feel called to. So why is worship important? Well, uh, we know that God is deserving of our worship, and we could kind of stop there and spend a few weeks nutting that out. Uh, but, you know, Psalm 22 uh, just a key element of that is that God inhabits the praises of his people. And that word praises, uh, sorry, the word, the word inhabits from uh, the Hebrew is yashab, uh, which means that he dwells. So he dwells in the praises of his people. So as we worship him together, as we develop a culture that worships him, uh, he dwells within our midst as we worship. He is present in our midst. He's revealing more of who he is to us as we sing to him and we encounter him, uh, which is wonderful. And that's a big reason why, why we worship. For me personally, I still remember many, many, many years ago when I, it was like a penny dropping moment when I, I suddenly experienced uh, that joy that came with realizing that songs were not just a means to sing about Jesus, but songs were a means to sing to Jesus and to worship Jesus and to praise him in that way. And so we would love everyone to experience that joy of uh, worshipping the Lord and singing to him and engaging with him and encountering him and being changed as we do that. So through lockdowns, um, we have worshipped in a variety of different ways, which I think has been really good for us. We have read Psalms together and meditated on Psalms. We've had moments of silence. Uh, we've taken communion together. And I think, you know, if anything, restrictions have actually helped us lay a good foundation of varying different types of worship. But now that we can sing together uh, as we gather on a Sunday, we want to spend a chunk of time worshipping Jesus and growing in that together and, um, and seeing what the Lord does as we pursue him and welcome his presence amongst us as we gather, but also welcome his presence in our lives. And so we'd love to see a worship culture grow and flourish here. And... Um, and even now, like as a baby church, this is something that we want to lay as a foundation now um, so that we can continue to grow from this point moving forward. So to help us in this initially, um, we've had the wonderful Dan come and lead us today, which is amazing, thank you. So over the coming weeks, um, we'll have other people that uh, we feel really carry that similar heart of worship to come and lead us so that we continue to grow and move forward as, as worshippers together. We would love to have worship nights and equipping nights, and um, we've mentioned that to some of you guys. Um, but again, to have more space to gather together and to worship together, uh, you know, midweek scenario. And, you know, as we dream long term for what Centerpoint could be, our prayers at Centerpoint could be a place that raises up worship leaders and equips and trains worship leaders that we can then send out other people to go and be a blessing to other churches and help them also grow in worship and intimacy with Jesus. As well. And so the second place that we're putting our foot, if you like, um, is into family, a church that's family. And we found that most people applaud that concept, um, and some people even use that language, some churches use that language. Um, but if you follow that thinking all the way through, it actually has some pretty drastic effects on how we should be approaching church together. I know a number of churches that might talk about church being family, but they leave um, a string of bodies behind the bus. Um, that's not how we want to do things here. Overwhelmingly, the picture in Scripture of the church is of a family. In Paul's letters, there are like nearly 300 familial references, constant references to brothers and sisters, sons and daughters, mothers and fathers. Um, there's a, a text here from Galatians 4. 
But when the time had fully come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under a law, under the law, that we might receive adoption to sonship. Because you are his sons and daughters, God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, the spirit who calls out Abba, Father, or Daddy, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but God's child. And since you are his child, God has made you also an heir. And Paul's getting at this idea that the reason that Jesus bled and died on a cross is to redeem a broken family to himself. And we are all part of that family. And the implications for that are massive in how we should be approaching church. Um, family, genuine loving relationships with God and with each other is the antidote to the brokenness and the loneliness that we see as a pandemic. The pandemic, I think, in our Western society in Sydney. Psalm 68 says the Lord places the lonely in families. Now, why would he do that? Well, we spoke about belonging last week and in a world of really heightened individualism, which in which we find ourselves in the West, a church that has a culture of genuine belonging, of serving each other, of leaning into vulnerability and authenticity, um, of not having to put on that mask each week that your life is an Instagram highlight real story, um, that is countercultural to the rest of the world. It smells a lot like the kingdom of God. It smells of a father who welcomes those who are far from himself into loving relationship, the most loving relationship you could ever have. And so there are practical things that we can do as a baby church to help grow this culture together. You know, part of that could be like cooking a meal for um, someone who's just had a baby. And hint, we have four more babies on the way in the first half of the year. (laughs) Um, And maybe more. And maybe more. I don't know. Um, It could be, you know, putting your hand up to help with our kids on a Sunday once a term or something like that. Um, But it could also just be connecting with someone intentionally during the week to pray with them, to check in with them. Um, It's about relating to each other from a place of humility as brothers and sisters. And it means putting an intentional place in your life for investing in others in relational discipleship and doing life with people, choosing to invest time and energy in others. And it means helping those that are on the fringes that might be exploring faith or uh, might be feeling lonely, helping them take steps towards Christ as their center and experience that belonging and family that Jesus talks about. Paul writes in Philippians 2, Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility consider others better than yourselves. Each of you you should look not only to your own interests, but also to the interests of others. Each of you should look not only to your own interests, but also to the interests of others. Just let that sit with you for a second. Wouldn't the church in Sydney look drastically different if we applied that text? concerned more with the interests of others and our own interests. And we want this community to be known as a place where we learn together how to bless really, really well, how to bless people. And the beauty of family is when we actually start to look through that lens of family, we get a deeper and a richer experience of community because it reflects the Father's heart. So if you're here this morning, perhaps you're feeling isolated or lonely, the answer is not more Netflix. The answer is belonging in a family. And as you invest in church family, you'll, you'll find a deeper revelation of who Jesus is because you start to realize that your relationship with Jesus and your relationship with others are two sides of the same coin. And there's already a wonderful culture of this in this community, can I just say. We're, we're so stoked with what God's already doing. But we, we want to continue to take steps to grow and flourish in this. And that requires each of us to start to be really intentional about pursuing this, to be thinking and seeing that as a lens through which we're operating as church. Um, Part of that, we mentioned this last week, but it's inviting people in. So 
you know, again, we asked you this morning, who do you know who might be looking for a community that is an expression of family? Who do you know that this community might be a gift to in this season of their life? Invite them in on this journey. Third value um, that we want to continue to step into this year is uh, being naturally supernatural, being naturally supernatural. So pursuing the presence of Jesus by his Holy Spirit and learning to partner with him not only brings life, but it actually transforms lives. And we totally 100% believe that. And so as a church, we want to be intentional about training and equipping each other uh, to minister um, in the Lord's power um, in a very normal and natural way. And we talked about this a little bit last week as well, but you know, we don't have to be weird. We don't have to yell into a microphone. We don't need to push people over to powerfully minister to people um, God's love and God's kindness uh, so that they might encounter him and meet with him and the Lord might move in their lives naturally, supernatural. And so we want to learn together how to partner with God to bring the kingdom in our context. So we'll do that here on a Sunday, but actually we can be naturally supernatural in our everyday, wherever we are during the week, in whatever context we find ourselves in. So we want to grow together um, and grow in how we, can, how we can do that more effectively and, and be intentional in that space. And so as I mentioned, we'd love to have worship nights this year and also equipping nights. And equipping nights we kind of see as a potential step towards starting midweek hubs or connect groups or whatever you want to call them um, but that would be the first step forward in that process and again creating space where we learn to do what we see the father doing which is what jesus talked about in john 5 we only do what we see the father doing and getting better together and growing and listening to the promptings of the holy spirit um, so that we might be a blessing to each other but so that we can also be a blessing to whoever we encounter during the week um, and on a sunday as well you might remember the story uh, last year, we had a guy come and visit us on a Sunday and he'd had a sea urchin barb stuck in his foot for several months. And someone prayed with him and as he was prayed for, the pain went away and then at home in the shower that night, the final barb came out. Um, an incredible, beautiful story of God being God. Um, and what happened in that scenario, and he actually, um, it, I, I think it's safe to say that that was a moment that made him go, hang on, what's going on here? Um, it was a step for him towards Jesus. And, and we just allowed space for God to come and minister to people to receive prayer. And God was God and he did what he wanted to do in that place. And so we love hearing stories like that. And we get excited about seeing God move in those ways, uh, which is why we always want to allow space for the Holy Spirit to come and move and to lead us in our, in our gathering. And, and they're kind of stories that we want more of we want to expect uh those stories to be to be the normal overflow of people ministering the kingdom of god that just should be really normal um not just a one-off and so we're going to talk about these kind of things but we actually want to really want to pursue these together you know especially from an equipping standpoint and you know there are, this is something that not many churches uh, pursue definitely not from an equipping sense but as we read through the new testament um, we actually see the early church pursuing being naturally supernatural and we see so many stories of, of God working through the early church in that way. And so as a baby church, we also want to continue to step into that as well and, and see what the Lord wants to do in that space. Yeah. And the final value, the final place we really want to be stepping our foot uh, is into seeing lives transformed. From day one, we always said that we want to be a church that not only has a culture of that, but actually experiences that, of, of people coming and exploring faith and 
encountering the love and the grace of Jesus. We want that to be a non-negotiable why we're doing what we're doing. Thriving churches are actually a key to reaching unchurched people. Peter Wagner, he's uh, an author um, and a speaker. He, he spent many years at Fuller Seminary. He wrote a book called Church Planting for a Greater Harvest. And in it, he underlined that when people make a decision to follow Jesus, unless they're then incorporated into a local community, welcomed into a church family, if you like, it tends to just be a gesture. And church planting then becomes a means to evangelism. And he went on to say that the single most effective evangelistic methodology under heaven is planting new churches. The single most effective evangelistic methodology under heaven is planting new churches. And we have, as a church plant, an amazing opportunity to set that as a culture of why we're doing what we're doing, to set that as a culture this year. Uh, One of the key reasons that we're on this church planting journey, when people ask us, why are you planting a church? Our answer would often be, we just want to see people come to know Jesus. And if this is a means that we can see that happen, then we're all in for that. Um, We want to be people that talk about this regularly. It needs to be something that we pray for, we pray into together. Um, It's something that we want to put our time and our energy as a church into. And part of that is we want to encourage evangelistic lifestyles in each of us, in our everyday um, and within Centerpoint as a culture. But in order to do that, we realize that we need to start to find avenues for people to grow in this, in their own lives, um, to be exposed to evangelistic opportunities that stretch us. Um, so we're going to start to share stories. We're going to try and start to live really evangelistic lifestyles and then start to share stories together of, of where we've seen God at work in our everyday weeks. Um, little small steps of obedience, of stepping in and spelling faith, R-I-S-K. We heard of a church uh, that made it an attempt for one year to have 1,000 acts of courage as a body. Not 1,000 wins, 1,000 acts of courage. 1,000 acts of stepping in and just giving something a crack. Asking your friend that's got a sore shoulder if you can pray for them. Um, Praying for your neighbor or inviting someone to Alpha. A little risk here and there. And together, 1,000 of them. Now, we're not going to put a figure here on a center point of trying to reach 1,000. But we would love this to be something that becomes the normal of who we are as the people of God. That we start to spell faith, R-A-S-K, and see that happen around us. So one question I've just been reflecting on, and perhaps is helpful for all of us to reflect on. But if we were to move here to the northern beaches or the north shore of Sydney, how would we engage this people and this culture with the message of Jesus? If we were to move here as a missionary? You think missionaries move overseas? Well, if you were to move here, where you live, as a missionary, how would you engage this people and this culture with the message of Jesus? Often we think that we have to go somewhere to start to be missional. But actually, mission starts right where you are. And thinking that we have to go somewhere, it tends to be a lie that keeps us stuck. So we need to start to reorient our worldview and think, I can be a missionary right where I am. Uh, What we see around us is not all there is. There is more available. God wants to do more through you and through us. And he's calling us as a church plant even now, I think, to start to lead in this and to see this happen. Um, One overflow of that is we want to run Alpha again in the first half of this year. We already have someone keen to do it. So if you have not done Alpha and would like to do it, or you're perhaps exploring this faith journey or would like to explore faith in a new way, um, you're welcome to do Alpha, but invite a friend along with you. And if we all pray for three people that we know by name regularly, that they might come to Alpha and then invite them, um, we might see God do some amazing things this year. Mm -hmm. Let's go for it. Uh, 
you never know really who God might be drawing to himself. And one little interaction here or there might help someone take a step towards Jesus as their centre. I'm going to put Sam Moore on the spot here, but Sam's volunteered to do his ministry placement as part of his university degree uh, with Centrepoint for this semester, um, which we're going to talk over lunch later. But um, what we're going to do is we're just going to start to be really intentional about making this evangelistic lifestyle part of what we do. So we're going to spend intentional time going out and just seeing what the Lord wants to do, whether that's prompting us to pray for somebody, giving us a word of knowledge, seeing someone that needs healing and going for it, um, inviting people to Alpha that we meet. So if you want to try some of that stuff, or maybe you've tried it before um, and you'd like to get stuck into it again, um, or maybe you've never tried it and it freaks you out, but you kind of want to want to try it, um, there's lots of ways that we can help you get involved in starting to take steps towards that. Um, it's much easier to risk when we're a family on mission together when we're risking together. And I guarantee you, as you start to step out, you'll see the Lord do stuff and you will grow. Um, one prayer that we have for this year is that we would like to see 10 people come to faith through Centerpoint this year. Now, that's one a month for the rest of the year. So even for a baby church like this, I think God can do that. It's a prayer of faith that relies a move of God, but it also requires us to take a step into the river and just see what God might want to do. So let's do this together. So we've kind of given you a bit of a summary of some of the four key areas that we feel called to be as a church and we feel called to pursue as a church. Um, so a church who goes through and worship, being naturally supernatural, church's family and seeing lives transformed. Now, all of these uh, key areas um, are not in isolation. And so even coming home from last week, worshipping together, and even this morning again, there was a great sense of Actually, as we worship together, there's an acceleration of family. I think that's something that happens actually in the spiritual room, when spiritual realm, when we worship together, that unites us um, in a beautiful way that only God can do. So there's a sense of that's connected in with family. It accelerates family as we worship together. And then there's a sense of family uh, accelerating, being naturally supernatural together and vice versa. And uh, we're naturally supernatural as we connect with people that aren't Jesus yet. So they're all interlinked, interlinked and connected. Um, but for us, it's not enough just to see that picture. It's not enough just to be able to describe all those things. Uh, as we see in Joshua, we need to begin to step into what we feel called, uh, called to be as a church and to take possession of the land. And so we have a description of it, uh, but now we need to take steps towards that. And we can't stay just on the borders. We, you know, Joshua had the option. He could have just stayed on the borders and not moved into the promised land. Um, but he went for it. So we can't just stay on the borders of what God has for us as a church. Uh, we need the power of the Lord to be present in greater measure as we uh, go for it as family on mission together. And so for all of us, if we want to grow, if we want to invest in the kingdom of God, if we want to get involved there's definitely room for you here. And actually, we need all of us uh, to be a part of playing a role in shaping this church towards each of, the, each of these values, um, in seeing them um, grow and develop and to pursue these values together. We all have a place to play uh, in that. So as we step into the rest of the year, let's commit once again to each other as family. Um, let's commit once again to going for it as we worship Jesus, uh, as we gather on Sunday and during the week. Let's go for it in praying for our family and friends and taking risks with people that don't yet know Jesus. And let's go for it in being naturally supernatural. Um, 
there's an invitation, I think, for all of us here this morning to step into all that the Lord has for us in 2022. As we saw in um, Josh chapter one, God told Joshua, I will give you every place where you set your foot. And so for you guys this morning, for us, there's an invitation this morning, and that's an invitation for the more of the Lord, for more of the Lord, to step into all that he has for us. And we are totally convinced that he'll do immeasurably more than we can dream and imagine as we step into all that he has for us as a church into 2022 and beyond. And we're excited to see what he does in us and amongst us and through us in this next season. Bless your name. You've been listening to the Centerpoint Vineyard Podcast. To connect with us, find us on Facebook, Instagram, or by visiting our website, www.centerpointvineyard.org. The theme song for this podcast is Highest Praise by Kieran Delhart.